I think the key question you need to be asking is not the number, it's can I do what I want to do? And if you can do what you want to do in the current market, whether it's rising, whether it's falling, whether it's transitioning, whether it's stable, that should probably be the key driver. And I think that's what buyers are really getting caught up in at the moment. Hey guys, welcome back to Property Chat with Lockie and Matt. Uh, today, Locke and I are going to be talking about where the current market is, what we've experienced over the last couple of months, and where we see the market heading, obviously, with everything that's happening economically um, across the country. So, Lockie, I guess the biggest point to address would be interest rate rise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, that's been certainly the biggest change in the market. And I think the fact that it's been um, such an extraordinary rate rise happening in the middle of an election campaign, we don't mm. normally see that, of course. And also, it's just shocked, it's been a shock to the system of a lot of people because it's been the first rise that we've had in a decade. Yeah. So, you know, you've got some people that have spent their entire time in either the real estate industry or in buying and selling, and they've never seen a rate increase. Case in point. Yeah. Yeah, as a buyer, as an agent, there's never been a, a rate increase. I think every time I've either, you know, gone in for a loan or looked at interest rates, they've been going down and down and down with, you know, at, at some points, no thought of it going up. So I think seeing them go up, we're definitely in a different market and there's going to be a fair bit more to navigate. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people out there at the moment are thinking, well, what do we do now? The market feels like it's changing. You know, you're trying to look to trends and things overseas to sort of get an idea of where we might, might end up. Because we, we're usually, you know, a little bit behind um, some of the other um, you know, major major economies in terms of where we're going. Mm. Um, and, you know, we were talking about uh, the US, I think, is an interesting example. And, yeah. you know, they've, they've had a situation where they've literally five months ago, 30-year um, mortgages were around 3.5%, and they're now up around, the, or even lower, around the 3%. Now they're up around the 5.5%. Yep. Like, that's a huge jump. And, you know, we're, we're seeing minor jumps but not anything to that degree yeah um so you look at their market and you go how is that going to ha handle those sorts of rises um the interesting thing is i think we have the same thing here in that there's still an undersupply yeah so buyers are looking at that and being really cautious but in reality that supply and demand hasn't really changed yeah i think when i when i sort of hear out in the marketplace you know, interest rate rise. I guess the different questions that I get a lot of the times are buyers wondering whether now's the right time to buy or whether they should be waiting because it mm. could cause an oversupply, you know, and then maybe people worried about their borrowing power. I think that's probably the biggest things that I'm seeing at the moment. But I guess when I look at it this way, you know, there's only going to be a small percentage of people that over the maybe the last two years that have bought that wouldn't have made capital growth on their mm. on their mortgage where, you know, they've, they've had two years to pay it down, the repayments are a bit more comfortable, that if the interest rates did climb to 5% might have that little bit of hurt factor where, you know, maybe the option is to sell the property or maybe the option is to rent it out and go and rent something more affordable for yourself. But, you know, I just don't see, I don't see a, I guess, a flurry of new listings, but I think we'll certainly see some people maybe be a little bit further ahead where they think, okay, my fixed mortgage is going to be up in 12 months. Mm. I don't really want to be on a higher interest rate. It maybe breaks the budget. Maybe now's the time to sell. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned about, you know, people being hesitant perhaps to come to the market, you know, less stock available. Mm. And I think that's what buyers, uh, you know, uh, not seeing. They're thinking that obviously when the market starts to soften that there's going to be this flood of listings and they're going to be able to choose from what they what they want at a lower price. But the problem is um, all of those opportunistic sellers are gone. So yep. anyone who was selling only because they could improve their position, they're gone. 
They mm. won't sell. They're, there's no motivation for them anymore. So there's going to be this whole pool of properties that just don't come to the market. Yeah. And you know, you've we've seen over the last few years, um, uh, it's been extremely profitable for people to um, do this as a business venture. You know, flipping houses, you know, buying and developing. If the margins reduce, and they already are with the cost of construction, obviously yeah. that that's really tightened things up. Um, but if those margins reduce to where it's not as feasible, then you won't see people going and buying these older homes, renovating them and, and on selling them. So there won't be those type of properties in the market either. Yeah. So there's a couple of groups of those sellers who are only selling for a gain and those people who are doing it as a business venture that if the market starts to soften a bit, won't be there. Mm. And I think buyers who are looking now, the, the funny thing is, is now is probably the best time to be buying. Well, it's like they always say, how do you know the market you know, was at the bottom only when it goes back up? That's because right. you can look back and pinpoint and say, well, that sale there was really good value, but you'll only know that after the fact. I think you know, something you and I spoke about yesterday on the phone was how many, how many buyers in today's market would have killed to have the opportunities yeah. that are available today? Yeah six months ago, a year yeah. ago. You know, there's there's a little bit more stock, there's a little bit more room for negotiation. You know, we're seeing asking prices come off a little, you know, in our area particularly, I'd say probably off by about five to 10%, mm-hmm. depending on the stock. You know, it's probably headed back into what I would consider as a normal market yeah. where, you know, really good homes in great areas with good foundations and good marketing are selling and the homes with the worst floor plans and the worst locations, not as much natural light, they're struggling. Yeah, and we've seen that over the past um, couple of years where, you know, those, listings that traditionally would be very, very tricky to sell were having no trouble. Mm. And in some respects, it's a good thing, right? You know, if an owner takes the effort to present their property for sale, do all the right things, and it's a quality property, it's going to go well. Um, yeah. What's been removed is, as you say, those properties that do have a fair few negative attributes, they're not in good condition, yeah. the owners haven't made any effort whatsoever to present it for sale. Um, it's kind of fair enough that they're not getting um, exceptional results anymore. That's a normal market. Yeah, and we're seeing less of the, you know, sold prior to marketing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, the ability to be able to just lean on the database. Like it's it's even getting to the point now, you know, utilizing all of the marketing mediums that we have when you think about the reach that we get per property. You know, I think our area again, you know, changes depending on the suburb, but you know, we're getting twenty to thirty thousand views per property. And when you think about that, mm. we're not getting twenty to thirty thousand attendees. No. We're, you know, we're, we're not even getting 5% of that in terms of inquiry. So, you know, it's hard enough now to still get people through the door. I would say we've probably gone from averaging 20 per inspection to 5 to 10. Yeah. You know, like five, 5 to 10 would be a solid day. You know, there's, there was lots of new listings that came to the market that were probably priced in what I would consider to be December through March pricing and unfortunately just started that touch too high and, you know, ended up with ducks, no one through the door. And then, yeah, you know, you're sort of having to really change up your strategy. And I think that's what gives me that peace of mind if you're a buyer, that we're in a bit of a different market and that if the right home's out there, you know, playing that long game, like we've talked about this so many times, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market, mm. how long you hold your property. If you find the right home, if even with interest rates being at five or 6%, can you afford the property? Is it where you want to live? Does it match your lifestyle? Yeah. That's probably more important than waiting to see if you can get it for 100 grand less. Yeah. And as you say, you, when you can see that many views happening online, but it's not translating into inspections, um, what that indicates is that buyers have moved backwards in the buying cycle back to the research phase. Yeah. phase. And they're, they're using that research phase to try and figure out whether they should be buying now. Uh, they're waiting to see evidence that properties have sold for less. Mm. But the problem is, 
by the time you get enough evidence that it becomes a trend, yeah, everyone's seen that. So yeah. that like twenty thousand views, you're you're saying they're still searching around looking at property that are waiting for that. As soon as there's enough to say that that's not a one-off sale and this is definitely a downward price trend or the prices have come back, all those people are going to jump back in. Yeah, and it's going to bolster the market. It's not going to go back to where it was, but it's likely to have a little bit of an uptick. Well, our country is addicted to real estate. Like when you think of the top ten search engines in the country. Mm. The two biggest that feature in the top ten are domain and real estate.com. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's incredible to think that up up against the likes of Google and Facebook and YouTube and other search engines like that, that they feature in that. So it shows that, you know, property's always at the forefront of Australians' minds. But I guess the one thing that I think we'll see a bit more of is how many times have we heard throughout the market that we've came out of there's that many locals that feel like they've been forced to fringe suburbs or to other areas. Like mm. we even did an episode on, you know, if you can't afford in your suburb, what's the suburb across yeah. have to offer that might suit you that you can afford or rent vesting. And we've looked at all of those options. But I think what happens is as you take the Sydney money, say out of our marketplace or, you know, the people like I think now in Sydney, we were seeing lots of people from the east coming and buying the northern beaches. Mm. When you take those out, you still have all the locals that were left unsatisfied throughout that market that then come back in and prop that up. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. And I think the other thing we were talking about when we were chatting on the phone too was about um, you know, sellers feeling like as if um, that if the market comes back that they've lo- they're losing money. Mm. And I think that, that perspective is a really good thing to have at the moment yeah. because we've had such an extraordinary set of market conditions that we've never experienced before. 2018-19, the market came off a once in a decade boom that we hadn't seen since sort of 2003, 2004, mm. you know, and you know, we had GFC in the middle of that, and then around that sort of 2014, the market started to pick up, and that 15, 16, 17, it was on a tear. Yeah. Um, 19 was a very, very slow year. The market had pulled back, there was yeah. very little interest, and it was looking like that was the start of a traditional sort that of That was plateau. around Royal Commission. Correct, yeah. yeah. So that's right, when we were talking about, you know, things at the time when they, you know, the um, borrowing got a lot t- tighter. Um, so, the amazing thing is, off the back of a previous boom, instead of getting a cycle of plateau for five to seven years, which if you look historically has been the case here, yeah. the same owners have benefited from a second boom. Yeah. And prices are up 20, 21% on what they were pre-COVID levels. And that's Sydney as a whole. Obviously the region's like you know, more than that, you know, on the yeah. coast or things like that can be some suburbs 50%. Um, so even if they pull back 10%, 15%, they're not only still above pre-COVID levels, they're above the previous boom level, which was only five years ago. Yeah. My, my, my thing is always with that, like, what's the number that you're happy to cash out at? You know, because real estate is no different to gambling. You know, those who think it's not probably haven't compared the two closely enough. Like, if you think of it in this sense, if you're someone who's cashing out of the market, it is a gamble. You want to try and get the timing right and you want to make sure you cash out at the top and then when you reinvest, you want to do that at a time where maybe the market softened or is at the bottom. So, you know, I guess the thing I've seen a lot of, even with people who are, when you're buying and selling the same market, obviously it has relativity. What you go and buy, you're going to be buying in the same market. Or yeah. Sorry, what you sell, you'll be buying in the same market. But I guess from the same respect, it's like, at what level is enough capital growth? Like, I, I don't think people have that answer when they go to market, like oftentimes, as we've talked about, the, the sellers that are out there purely just to try and capitalise on the growth mm. that we've had, you know, they might be at 40% growth in the period of time they've owned the home, 
and then they see headlines like the market starting to soften. And rather than thinking, great, now's the time to cash out whilst I'm still well ahead on my investment, mm. they go, oh, no, I'll hold and wait for the next boom. Yeah. But it's like, what, what's the number? Are you waiting until you get to 60% growth? Like, again, all perspective, if you have plans for the money and and there's a there's a genuine reason for cashing out. Of course, I think, yeah. you know, now is as good a time as any. Yeah, but I think the interesting part about that is why we've had a rate rise to begin with. Mm. It's that we're in a period of high inflation. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at a situation where you've, you've made a gain, you're looking at selling your property, and for whatever reason, the number you're going to get out of it, you think, oh, it's not enough for me to buy whatever I want to buy. We're in an inflationary environment, so chances are by the time the property price rises, it will have risen, but so too will whatever it was you were looking at buying. Yeah. So you're, you're in a position where you may never actually be able to just trade that property for whatever it is if you're going to go and buy a, you know, another property in a car or a caravan or whatever it is you're going to do. Um, you might not ever be able to do that. You know, if you look back at when property prices in the 80s were, you know, I don't know, like 80 grand or something like that, um, it was all relative to the cost of other things. I mean, I know property prices have streaked ahead way in excess of that now, but it is still linked to the broader economy in, in a sense. So, mm. you know, the, I think the key question you need to be asking is not the number, it's can I do what I want to do? And mm. if you can do what you want to do in the current market, whether it's rising, whether it's falling, whether it's transitioning, whether it's stable, that should probably be the key driver. And I think that's what buyers are really getting caught up in at the moment is, like we just said, they finally, after two years of like heartbreak at opens and, and heartbreak at auctions rather, just mm. missing out, missing out, you know, that, because that property that the guide was 1.5, you know, ended up going for 1.8. Like finally, that property with the guide of 1.5 is might be selling for 1.5. Or even, you know, what we've been seeing, guiding 1.5, Price reduction email. Yeah. And and finally, they're in a position where they can buy that and they're not doing it. Mm. Or they're, they're hesitating. Yeah. And I think that is the best advice I can give a buyer at the moment is to think about, can I do what I wanted to do? If the answer is yes, do it. Unless you're trying to make, like yep. you say, a quick flip, that's a gamble. Yeah. You're trying to buy your family home. You've it's been trying to do it for two years. You, yep. could, you couldn't do it. You finally can. You know, could be the time. I mean, you've got to be sensible, of course, if you're looking at rates and thinking, can we afford this? But also remember that you know you're being assessed by the bank at a much higher rate yeah. than than what uh, they're actually yeah. giving you too. I guess too, like consumer confidence is probably flipped. Mm. You know, it's now instead of the vendors feeling like we're in control and we're going out and you know it's all on our terms, it's now probably more. You know, you've got to give a fair bit. You know, you're having buyers coming in and buying and, and maybe being a little bit savvier about what they do, how they right. offer, what that strategy looks like. You know, and I think that's something we'll, we'll obviously talk a little bit more about on another episode is, you know, in a higher supply market, how can you stand out? As a buyer in this climate, you know, what are some different strategies around making your offer still competitive compared to what's out there? Mm. And I think the other thing, you know, if people are wondering where this is going, um, you know, we, we can't always, of course, predict things. We can't could never have predicted what happened with COVID, but no. that's sort of once in a generation yeah. scenario. This is a little bit more predictable in that it, it's, um, there's a lot of other factors we can look at to see what might happen. And Monkeypox might take off and then we'll could, be. Mate, it could, mate, it could be, yeah. <laughs> the monkeypox boom. Yeah, waiting on that one. Yeah, well, that'd be good. Um, but you know, they, um, there's things like the construction costs. Yeah. The new housing's going still, still on, a, on a decline. 
and we still need a significant number of more new homes. Um, so I think the cost of new construction is going to underpin the value of existing homes mm. and uh, immigration is probably going to be the key thing. We've got the highest, um, you know, sorry, the lowest unemployment and significant wage growth, even though obviously compared to housing growth, we appreciate that the wages have not risen to the same level. Everyone knows that. But wages have still jumped up a lot in the last, mm. um, you know, this recent labour market um, because it's low employment. Um, so in terms of um, where things could go from, from there, you've got a situation where we're going to have to bring in skilled workers. Have yeah. to. Now, bringing in skilled workers to fill gaps, that we, roles we can't fill, you've got a construction um, crisis where we don't have enough materials, it's really hard to get, which is pushing the costs up, meaning we can't build enough new homes. What do you think that's going to do? Mm. It's going to hold the values. So I think even if you're looking at a property and you're going, okay, the market's come off a touch, we can buy it for less than we could have a few months ago. Does that mean we should hold off? Does that mean if we buy, the values are going to go back? Short answer, probably. Mm. You'd probably buy today at 1.5 and there'll be a period over the next couple of years where it'll be 1.4. But there's every chance that with those other few factors, that by the time it gets to five years, it's back at 1.6. Yeah. So it's But it's if, you, if you're only term. holding it for a year, that's a big problem. Well, but if you're, yeah. if you're holding it for 10 years, and you know, as we know, the average cycle of a, of a property ownership is nine years. Mm -hmm. So you know, I think when you think long term, what can you buy today that you could buy for the same price in 2012? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So you know, I think it's just having that long term plan around your properties and around you know, where you want to be. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode. We look forward to sharing more tips and tricks in the next videos.